This is episode 51. 51. So David and I were just reminiscing that it's been a while uh, since we've been together recording. Yeah, uh, I, I know this is this is sad, but I think we actually lost a few subscribers over the month of December. Whoops. Because we hadn't, I bet they just thought we're going to be another one of those podcasts. They hit 49 or 50 and they're done. Mm, well, I got news for you. Uh, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, so we, we're uh, we're worship ministry catalysts. Yeah. That's who we are. have done this in a long time. I know. Can Do you remember I it? I remember it. Okay, go. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members serving as a catalyst to facilitate better worship in the local church. Bingo. My that name was is it. David. And I'm Kevin. And, and we're back. We're we, back. Um, apparently, I guess it has been a while since we last... See, I, I thought... I thought it was just kind of right before Christmas, but you're thinking maybe it's more even around Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think it was before Thanksgiving. Wow. Because because I we did a couple podcasts at that time and I saved them. Yep. And spread them out over the month of December. Well, it it uh it's been it's been a long uh I mean, crazy crazy month or so. I mean, we we It is the craziest time of year for yeah, worship pastors. It is. I mean, yeah. I I had a Christmas program, you had a Christmas program. I had Christmas Eve service, you know. We didn't. Um, so it, it's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, you know, special uh, things. And then, of course, just normal Christmas stuff. Yeah, you've got your own family. you got your own family, yeah. right? <laughs> hey, so how was your Christmas? <laughs> it was really good. Did you go anywhere? No, we no. stayed here. Um, but God really blessed us with stuff this year. Man, I know cool. which, which sounds, you know, materialistic, but... <laughs> But but yeah, we we were blessed this year. So That's awesome. I feel really fortunate. Yeah, good times. We uh we kind of stayed local also, um, and actually in in a really cool way. Uh, I, boy, I can't remember how much I've shared because I don't remember <laughs> the last time we got together. But we have a new house. Um, I I know at some point in these podcasts I've been sharing about. Uh, I think we talked about you getting it, but you hadn't moved yet. I'm okay. pretty sure. We got the house. We've moved into the house. We've been in the house now for uh, almost two months. That's cool. And so we you're settled love in? it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All We're unpacked? Yep. Good for you. Yep. We are unpacked. We got, you know, decorations up and stuff hanging nice. on the wall. And um, uh, and we love it. It's it's a great new house. It's um best part of all is five blocks away from our five church. Five blocks. Five blocks. The church is on 6th Street. Our house is on 11th Street. Boom. I mean, you could crawl yeah, for I five know. blocks. You could. You yeah. just army crawl the whole way. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I have I have been walking uh, back and forth. Um, not so much the last month uh, because it's been really cold. And kind of wet, but uh, but the first couple of weeks after we moved in, it was it was pretty decent weather, and so I was just walking. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it takes about takes about eight or nine minutes to. Has to it been walk. windy over there? Not too bad. It has been windy. Well, it's worse up at our house. We're up on a hill a little uh, bit. But um, I saw somewhere. I don't know if it's true or not, but there's been a thirty mile gust. Um, recorded for like the last 31 days. No kidding. Every day here? here? Yeah. There's been at least a 30 mile yeah. gust. And I mean, I mean, 
It's been more than that. I'm pretty sure it's been about, there have been several gusts, like 60 miles an hour up at our house. Wow. It took our, we had this, you know, the porch swings, the the metal swing that you yeah. get, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's got its own stand and everything. And it did it fall it like, over? It blew it like 20 feet across our no deck. Way. Like we woke up one morning and it's, and it would have gone further if it hadn't hit the table. <laughs> But I mean, we've had some serious wind. Wow, so. wow! No, yeah. it hasn't been that bad in Vancouver. Uh, I I know Washougal, you get more of that kind of uh, gorge type of wind. Yeah, we do. But which I saw on the news. Yeah. Up at up at uh, Crown Point. Yeah. They they recorded over a hundred mile an hour gusts last like a wow. few days ago. Wow. See, and that's kind of out where we used to live. We used to live out in Troutdale. That's right. And Crown Point is only uh, about 10 miles east of Troutdale. So. For our listeners who aren't in the area. Sorry. We Ge- have this geographical weather, break here. We have this weather phenomenon here and in the northwest that only really exists in here. Yep. And we have the, it's called the Columbia River Gorge. You maybe you've heard of it, maybe not. You can Google it and you'll find a lot of information about it. But but we have we have on the west side is the is the Willamette River Valley and some other you know valley the Columbia River Valley on the west side and there's another set of hills to our west but they're not as high as the Cascades and so so we get the ocean air that gets into the valley really easily yep. but then there'll be cold front like you know all kinds of different weather on the other side of the cascades so when there's when there's one weather system on the east side of the cascades and a different weather system on the west side we get all kinds of crazy weather that goes through the gorge and then it, it, the gorge almost acts as like a funnel it yeah. kind of like traps the wind in cuz uh i mean the gorge is just a big river is it's the river that separates washington from oregon so if you look on a map and you look at your your state line uh, that that's kind of the river that's separating the two states, and um and, and yeah, there, there's this certain area. Uh, I I don't know exactly what the specific mile posts are, but but it just gets crazy windy, and um and, and sometimes it travels all the way out to kind of where David is out here in Washougal. Well, Crown Point is up at like 700 feet, yep. and so they're higher, so they get more of the winds coming right over the mountains, and so. <laughs> It's impressive though, 100 miles an hour. That, yeah, that is. That's fast. Yeah. That is. That's pretty. That's pretty darn. Yeah, the, fast. the weather lady got blown over on the news segment. Like, like for real. Like for like real. Like she fell over. No, got totally blown over, and she had a person holding on to her, and he got blown over too. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty windy. Which I guess at 100 miles an hour, that's that's when the human body cannot hold itself up anymore. Like a typical <gasps> human body can hold itself up up to 100 miles an hour. You are just full of trivia, David. This I is love great. weather. Weather this is, is like <laughs> I, I love my weather. Other thing. It's cool. I want to be a weatherman. I did. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be a weatherman. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Rod Hill is my hero. Oh, uh, I like Rod. Yeah. You know what I like about Rod? He's short. He's a short guy. Have you ever met him? No. He's about my size. I- I'm short. I'm I'm five four. Uh, he's actually like an inch shorter than I am. He's like five three. But you've got the energy of a six eleven guy. There you go. But I like Rod because he's yeah. a good-looking dude. He always dresses nice. Um, he he's he's well-spoken. He's and energetic, he, and he he's got a great smile. Uh, he's nice. Anyway, I like I like Rod Hill. He's also. the most energetic weatherman I've ever seen. He's good. Yeah, I like him. I was anyway, really mad when K two fired him, but he's on KGW now. Oh, is that the deal? Yep. Because you know, I know like Dave Seleski used to be with eight. Now he's with six, and yeah. I, 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 these people just bounce back and forth. We boycotted K two because they fired. No Rod way. Hill. Yeah. I like Rod. Yep. 
Anyway, so we're not here to talk about weather, um, but but it is exciting because we moved and we're in our new house and we love it. And um, so thank you to all who have been following along and praying for us to get in our new home. Uh, th- there was a while there, if you remember, it was it was pretty dicey. Um, I didn't know if we were going to be able to make it into our new home or you know if we were going to be able to find the right home. We're in. Um, love it. And uh, we had Christmas at our house, our new house, which was super cool. We've never had Christmas. That's before. really cool. Yeah, like we've always gone to my parents mm-hmm. or her parents or whatever. And this year, uh, we we you know we had uh, her her sister's family come over, her grandma. Uh, Melanie cooked a ham, and we did like potatoes. And um, you know, we Mel and I we've been married for like almost seven years. And when we got married. Uh, we had all this china given to us. We've never used it ever. It's been sitting in boxes <laughs> for seven years, and we busted out the china for nice. the first time. So we had dinner, Christmas dinner at our house. We had china with the china with the family. It was really fun. Cool. So, Excellent. The it was heat good. is rising in this room. Yeah, it's getting warm. It's 75.1 degrees in here now. <sighs> it's that computer. It's my computer. That's okay. I think we've talked about my Mac in every single episode. Yep, so we're not going to talk about no. it this time. <laughs> But we did. We just came through Christmas. Yeah, we both did some big Christmas things. Yep. And elephant in the room. All right, the Rose Bowl. I'm gonna go ahead and just bring it up. I I told you we didn't have to talk about it. (laughs) Elephants in the room. So, for those of you who've been listening a while, you know that David's a diehard Buckeyes fan. Ohio State Buckeyes. Grew up in Ohio. Uh, I bleed. I bleed scarlet and gray. He bleeds scarlet and gray. He he loves his Buckeyes. And um, I'm not a diehard Oregon Ducks fan, but but I love the Oregon Ducks and I love their program. And I I I, uh, I took a couple jazz band classes at Oregon, um, so I, I have some. You know, I'm not like a season ticket holder or anything, but but you're connected. I got some connections, you're and invested. more importantly, I have friends who are diehard fans, and so I kind of feel this camaraderie with my friends. Um, so. The Rose Bowl, uh, New Year's Day, Ohio State is playing Oregon Ducks. Who would have ever thought? Who would have thought? It, it's a big game. Uh, Ducks have not been to the Rose Bowl since 1994. Uh, when was the last time the Buckeyes were at the Rose Bowl? Well, it was like 96. Okay. But, so, but they say that, you know, not not talking about the fact that you know the Buckeyes have also been to three national championship right, games which, in between then. And which now. Oregon hasn't. Right. So, anyway. So yeah, so Oregon State, um, Oregon State, sorry, University of Oregon, um, they they haven't really been in this position for a long time. You might remember a couple of years ago they were actually on track for getting potentially to the championship game until their star quarterback like injured his yeah. shoulder or whatever happened. So we're at the Rose Bowl and they're looking good and they're actually like the ten point favorites to win yeah. or whatever it is. And what ends up happening? Buckeyes win. Buckeyes win. 26-17. Oh, and the crowd goes wild. Yeah. yeah I was, man, I was so stressed out watching that game. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you have to imagine it from my shoes, all right? Okay. I'm okay. an Ohio State fan. Yep. And I live in the state of Washington. 
right across the river from Oregon. Not, right? not a whole, I'm living in the enemy's territory. You're in the lion's den. Yeah. And so not a whole I lot know of sympathetic lose, fans. I'm going to hear about it for the next 20 years, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Every time the Rose Bowl comes up, it's going to be, hey, you remember when Ohio State lost to Oregon in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago? No, I don't. No. Of course I remember. No one lets me forget. But, but yeah. So <laughs> just for that reason alone... I'm glad that the Buckeyes won, so I don't have to listen to that for the it next was, 20 years. I mean, it was just, it was surprising to me um, how how well the Buckeyes did. I, I, I'm, I shouldn't say that in front of you. I mean, I'm sure they're a great team, but I really thought Oregon was the better team, and I think most people thought Oregon was the better team. But see, that's, that's the thing, you know, and when you're, when you're looking at your team and its conference, when you're playing within your conference for the last, you know, however many games of the season— you only you can only judge based on the strength of the conference. And so just like, you know, the Buckeyes have been in the Big Ten, which everyone has been critical of for the last 10 years of being a really weak conference. Mm. Well, it's not necessarily weak. They're just all pretty equal. You know, Ohio State's been on the top, and there have been a couple of other teams been on the top for the last few years in the Big Ten. But, but they're all pretty equal within the conference, just like in the Pac-10. You know, you guys are all, you're all equal, but it's not very often that during a regular season the two conferences play each other right and so there's no real judge between which conference is actually better because you know you have the high scoring offense out here in the pack 10 but and that's also coupled with the fact that their the... defense is not nearly as good as it is in other parts of the country and yeah if... and you know you gotta hand it to the buckeyes they played a good game they came up with some big stops um you know, yeah, it, it was a good game. I, I mean, I'm not happy with the outcome. Uh, what I was impressed with most of all, I mean, I was impressed with Terrell Pryor, our quarterback. I thought mm-hmm. he did a good job. Mm-hmm. But most of all, I was impressed with the strategy of the coaching on both sides of the ball for the yeah. whole game. Yeah. I mean, I thought they, they took plenty of risks, which Trestle's been you know, critiqued for over the years, not taking enough risks. He took a lot of risks. He did. They 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 played aggressively. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they played to win, and not that Oregon didn't play to win, but um, man, on on that day, on that given day, uh, the Buckeyes, you, you know, there was a couple times where um, I mean, you know, Oregon uh, Oregon was on top. Um, what was it at, at the at the end of the third quarter or something like that? Or mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, even remember how exactly it went down, but. You know, there there was one point um, towards the end of the fourth quarter. It was a ten point game, uh, and when you when he missed that field goal, that's kind of when the game was over. Because at at that point, if he had made the field goal, it would have been a one possession game, very doable to get the ball back, maybe tie, whatever. And when when he missed the field goal with like five minutes left in the game, that that kind of that kind of was it, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you could kind of feel the whole the whole game kind of shifted, and then. Man, Buckeyes got the ball and just ran the clock out. Just yep. boom. Um, Which is exactly what happened to us in a big game last season. Really? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it was, I think it was against Penn State last mm. year. And and they got the ball with eight minutes left and ran out the clock. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and at that point, you need the defense to yeah. make a big stop or something. Anyway, so, so so elephants in the room, congratulations, David. Thank you. Congratulations thank you. on your Buckeyes winning. And I see this. Uh, I see this. Uh, this football. This Ohio State football. Is this any significance here? No, my grandfather-in-law bought that for me on eBay before the game. So oh, I don't. 
I haven't taken the time yet to figure out whose signatures they are because I can't read any of them except Jim Trestle signed it. So wow, and that's like a real. That's not like a facsimile or a reproduction. That's like the real, mm-hmm. like the game, like a, a a signature from the the game players on a on an Ohio State mm-hmm. commemorative football. Well, it's not it's not a college football. No, it's an NFL size football. Okay, but. but yeah, those are their signatures. So that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, man. That's that's quite a present. Yeah, to get a to to get a a signed ball from the 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 whole team. Well, it's not the whole team. Well, it it's, looks like a lot. It's a few people, but yeah, it's cool. I really like it, man. Good so. deal. So there we go. So that that was uh <laughs> that was our Christmas break. Lots of Christmas watching the Ducks lose uh on uh, New Year's Day. Watching the Bucks win. Yeah. And now we're back. We're oh, back. and uh this actually this actually we're going to um uh my wife and I were having a baby in like a couple weeks. So which is huge. Yeah, which that's yeah. a big deal too. Um which is very exciting. No, it is. It's exciting. So so we're gonna record these, and and uh, depending on you know when Melanie has the baby, uh, we'll be back with some new episodes and rocking and rolling. We will be we'll be consistent though. Yep. So even if uh, even if Kevin's too busy, which is totally understandable, <laughs> too busy, we're with gonna the baby. find a way to come up with some episodes in the meantime. So, there we go. So we will be on the air. So you don't, can count on it. Do not do not fear. Not fear, young Padawan. Worship Ministry Catalyst is here. It is here. We are continuing on. But yeah, Christmas break was good. Yes. Good time. So yeah, don't uh don't don't uh worry. Uh subscribe. Um don't don't cancel your subscription because we're we're back in it, folks. We're back and we're just like you. We're just we're worship pastors and just know, a little busy. Time certain times of the year just gets hard to do anything else. So no. and so nice. hey, uh, let's now that we've talked for like twenty minutes or whatever. Um, <laughs> it was good catching up with you. Yes, though. I like it. Um, let Let's see if we can uh, finish up. We're on chapter three. Yeah, on uh, words that sing, which we're talking about God songs, the book yep. God songs. Yep. In case you're just joining us for the first time, we're going through uh, Paul Belosh and Jimmy and Carol Owen's book, God songs, and. You I've might actually want to go back and check out some of the other episodes we've done. I've actually this. recommended this book to several people on my worship team. So have I. Um, cu- a couple, uh, a couple guys who've been doing some songwriting. I've actually been working with them on songwriting. I said, "You know what? You gotta go buy the book, God yeah. Songs. Go buy it and listen to our podcast." And yeah, I, I should probably do that too. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about promoting myself. I've been kind of promoting it over on some blogs and stuff Sweet. where they talk about songwriting and you can put your songs up for critique. And I say, hey, we're doing a podcast on this. Go check it out. Do it. Listen. So, so we uh, we kind of dropped off in the middle of chapter three. We're on page 86, if you have the book, on words that sing. And we, we stopped right before we got into similes, metaphors, and allegories. Sounds like a literary device. It does. Which, uh, by the way, I'm, I finished the one book called Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Pattison. Weird name, huh? You'd think his parents would have had a little better sense than the yeah, name Pat on. Pattison. Come on. But uh, good book. Lots of practical stuff in there about writing good lyrics. I'm, I started another book, though, called The Art of Writing Great Lyrics or something like that. Mm. And I uh, just want to throw something she mentions. She uh, Secular writers had a lot of, like 
pop song. She, you know, she's had songs on the charts and stuff, so she knows what she's talking about. And she, one of the things she says is that writing songs or any kind of writing, but she's talking about writing lyrics, but writing is, is a love affair with words, mm. which when you think about it is 100% true. A love affair. Because when you think about, you know, you're telling a story and all you have is words. Yeah. And you only have, a, you have a very small amount of space that you can use to tell that story. I mean, if you're writing, you know, a novel, you have hundreds of pages. If you're writing a song, you have a page and really less than that, if you think about it. And you got to put the whole idea in this one little, mm-hmm. one so, little section. So being, you know, being a songwriter, you need to have, you have to have a love affair with words. You have to, you have to keep expanding your vocabulary, which is something I'm trying to figure out how to work on more. <laughs> you have to expand your vocabulary because you need the exact word that says, you know, you need to be able to say basically like a sentence with one word. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Which is hard for guys like me who love talking and talk way too much. You know how <laughs> how do you how do you sum up uh, you know how do you sum up one I I didn't just like a, a word. I mean, yeah. man, I, I gotta I gotta just go off. I gotta say it all. Right, and yeah. I and I have a hard time with that too. But the thing they talk about in this book, yeah, let's keep it. So here we are: similes, metaphors, allegories. Uh, basic definition, you are like a rose. That's a simile. You are a rose. That's a metaphor. There you go. That's Simple. all you need to know, right? <laughs> um, well, they, it says right there, similes and metaphors help make our lyrics more vivid. And that next paragraph, the scriptures are full of similes and metaphors. Psalmists use them often. You are my high tower, my shield, my rock. Your word is a lamp. Your word is like honey. And King David gave us a fresh perspective on our relationship with God when he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, and then elaborated on his metaphor. So it's something that, it's not a new device. No. It's, it's been around for obviously thousands of years. But but it's really powerful, and, you know, and it's really, it's artistic. That's the thing that that's cool about metaphor is you can you can go you can go deep into a metaphor and and have way more than you need for one song yeah and the whole thing but when you it just kind of you kind of build up this artistic tension and then when when you do get into you know the chorus or you know the release of that that idea where you where all of a sudden it's it's not just this idea that's out there that I don't understand but it becomes real to me then all of a sudden you you haven't just created you know you haven't just built up to the chorus with a verse you've built up to the chorus with you know this with a, a whole different kind of tension you know what I mean yeah does that make sense yeah so it's really cool and taking that one step further with the idea of an allegory um, you know which probably a lot more difficult to write songs in an allegorical sense um, but but I mean if you did want to take that a little bit further. That that's where you could really kind of start diving into some rich poetic type of yeah. using words, uh, words that sing, as chapter three is called. Um, and you know, one one of the classic allegories that we're all familiar with, um, C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, nice. You know, Aslan Aslan being kind of that uh, that kind of typography of of God or Jesus Christ, I should say. Um, so. You know, harder to write like that, but um, you know, when when you can kind of paint some of those vivid pictures, 
I think it really stands out. Yeah, that's well, it's worth trying. You know, I think I think a lot of times as well as humans, I guess, <laughs> we we do the easy thing because it's harder to do the hard thing. Yeah. And so we never try things like allegory because it's hard. That it is hard. I mean, yeah. you know how how many songs you know that are allegorical or I should say worship songs. One thing it's in this other book, she's talking, she talks about the difference between a poem and and a song, a song lyric and and she talks a, a, a quite a bit about it, but she says, you know, there's nothing wrong with a poem, there's nothing wrong with a song. But if you're going to write a poem, write a poem. Don't try and write a poem and turn it into a song. Uh, Keep it separate. Yes. Make your poems poems and your songs songs. Yep. So uh, they talk next about opening lines, um, having a strong opening line. They say that you should make your opening lines as strong as you possibly as strong as you possibly can. Uh, Kind of the idea of that. That's your kind of prime real estate. You know that those first two lines. That's what people are hearing. That's kind of prime yeah. real estate, you know, hook them in right from the beginning. Which I wish they really, I wish they spent a little more time on it, on that idea of strong mm-hmm. opening lines because they, well, it's just one paragraph. Right. right. And so, it's, but, but what does that actually mean? You know, what is a strong opening line? Yeah, because what does it mean to, to start a song strong as opposed to, you know, weak? Mm-hmm. You want to capture the, you know, a person's attention, but. But how does one line in particular do that better than another line? Yeah. Well, you know, one example I just thought of, it's not here in the book, but um, uh, it is a song Paul Balash recently wrote, Glorious, kind mm-hmm. of one of my new favorite worship songs. And it does capture your attention from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, the first lines, uh, look inside the mystery, see the empty cross. And uh, right from the beginning, you're, you're kind of like, wait, what? You know, what, what are we looking at? What? Okay, we're seeing the empty cross. Mm-hmm. And boom, it paints that picture. Uh, that this is what the song is talking about, you know, the, this mystery of the empty cross. Yeah. And so I guess that, you know, the thing to do there is to just give it more attention. You know, does it draw you in or you know, give, you in? give someone give your lyric to someone else and say, hey, does that first line draw you into the verse? Does that and then does it lead you in to the chorus or something like that? You know, so anyway. Which which kind of goes into that next section about, you know, using the right words, um, using the right words for your song. I mean, if you use the right words, they will. They'll be drawing you in. And uh, it talks about, you know, that that uh, as a lyricist, your ideas are kind of your your stock in trade and your words are your instrument uh, that, you know, that that's like what you're saying, that love affair with words. You know, you got to have that. And he he uh, he kind of lists some um, uh, just examples, you know, just just using different kind of synonyms, um, um, you know, instead of instead of saying, um, you know, instead of saying just a certain thing like um, light or shine, you know, lighthouse, sunshine, candle, uh, glory. He said these are all words for sources of light, uh, but one can immediately be transported um, to different surroundings based on those words. You know, this might be a good time to transition into my song and critiquing it a little sure. bit. Sure. Um, because I experienced this full-fledged 
about the words thing at Christmas. <laughs> so uh, let's let's listen to the song okay. and then talk about it. All right.
So the gift of Christmas, written by David Lindner, and uh, first of all, man, hats off to you. That's not easy. Um, arranging and composing a Christmas song, and um, I, I don't know. David will put these up on uh, on the show notes or something. But we, he he actually has the entire like uh, um, SATB scored out with the piano part and everything. That's a lot of work. So first of all, hats off to you because um, that's way more ambitious a project than I think I would ever be willing to undertake. Um, so so let so let's talk about the song. Yeah. So the reason the thing that that triggered my thought to why we should start we should listen to it now, which by the way, if you have songs out there in our listening audience and you would. Uh, you would be open to us evaluating them a little bit based on some of the stuff we're talking about. Feel free to send them in. And also, we are not doing this uh, to get exposure to to our songs. We're right. using our songs as a as a tool for evaluating or using you know to kind of work the book in and and kind of put it to practical use. Yeah. And since there are songs, we can do that. Um, and feel a little more freedom to do that with our songs and maybe with some of uh, the other pros out there. So, yep. so that's why we're doing it. And the reason we're doing the, the podcast all together on songwriting is we want to get, we want to grow as songwriters. So, so with that preface, um, the reason I thought it would, it would work here is that uh, talking about the right words um, is I didn't work hard enough on the words on this song to get uh to get an original sounding lyric. And um, I say that because, you know, you if you look at the lyrics again, you look at some of the phrases that are in there, they're pretty generic Christmas phrases. And so, like... Um, yeah, like one, one that stood out to me, uh, um, there were no presents and bows, no wishes for snow uh, or gifts underneath the tree. Um, you know, while while that is kind of like standard Christmas thing, I I actually you know I actually thought that, I mean, I, I thought that that kind of really well communicated. I don't know. I mean, this isn't like a worship song that I would sing. You right. know, mm-hmm. uh, like, and I I don't think it's it's not meant to be a worship no, song. It's, it's a not. Christmas choir song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for what it is, a Christmas choir song, uh, you know, e- even though the lyrics probably aren't like super imaginative. I think they work for the genre of what a, what it is. Right, and I was trying to keep it simple because yeah. that was the theme for our Christmas thing. Um, but like, so for instance, the the first lines of the chorus are, the gift of Christmas is a baby boy born in Bethlehem. Well, I heard that phrase, a baby boy born in Bethlehem, to, you know, with a little bit of twist, like so many times and so many different songs over the Christmas holiday after, you know, after Christmas. And I was actually just listening to Christmas music for enjoyment and not, you know, for work. Yeah. Then I started hearing all these things. I'm like, oh man. So I probably didn't, I probably didn't come up with a single word on my own for this song. They're just, you know, conglomerations of all the Christmas songs I've heard in my entire life. And it came out as that song. But so... But I'm saying that to say, you know, the words, I, if I had worked a little bit harder, you know, I could have come up with some words that maybe are a little bit more imaginative, like Mm. you said, Mm -hmm. that are unique, you know, a unique telling kind of the same story, but with maybe different different phraseology, you know, which is hard, um, you know, especially at Christmas. It is, especially when, when everything's already like kind of, it's already been said, you know, I mean. Because there's only so many ways of saying, you know, Christmas bows and Christmas snow and, mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ, you know, was the gift of Christmas. And, yeah. um, 
but yeah, you know the the first thing I um you know I guess what I was impressed with first of all was just the the fact that you arranged an entire like choir song. I still can't get over the fact that you have like this nine page score, you know, <laughs> that that you handed me. Um, you should see my conductor score. Oh man, yeah, yeah, that's. I can put that up too. That's, that's uh, fun though. That's that's I love doing that. See, and that and that's awesome. Like I'm so glad you do because because then there's guys like me. Like just the thought of this literally gives me an anxiety attack. <laughs> like the, just looking at this and thinking about me trying to do it, I just I just get so overwhelmed. Um, so you know, and that's why we all have our different giftings, yep. and we work within our giftings. So, uh, yeah. Um, one thing that that stood out to me positive, uh, the first line. I think that actually uh, we we're just talking about here in the book, um, having you know those first lines kind of kind of prime real estate draw you in. Um, you, know, you talked about a carpenter and a virgin girl, you know, and I thought that was actually a really clever way of introducing the idea of of Joseph and Mary. Um, uh, you know, without saying, you know, Joseph and his betrothed wife, you know, uh, whatever, a virgin girl, a carpenter, um, boom, they never knew that they'd be the ones. And so I, I like that as an opening opening idea. Well, and, you know, part of the, my other critique and see this, I'm this is what I'm struggling with because I'm I'm reading stuff from two completely different worlds. Right, we're reading the book God songs about writing Christian songs, and I'm reading the book this about writing secular songs. And one of the things that she talks about is not becoming too preachy mm. in your song. Well, like my whole <laughs> second verse is is a, a preacher thing. You know, it's like you're like um, I can't help but be preachy. Yeah, so many ways we've strayed so far from what Christmas needs to be. We've traded uh, such simplicity for unimportant things. Um, God willingly gave His Son, and we don't have any time to spare, but still He came. You know. So there's that, that's a pretty preachy verse. It is, you know what I mean? it is. But at the same time, I don't know that that's a bad thing in Christian music. Right, the the, the qualifying statement I would say, David, in response is uh, not a bad thing to be preachy, but um, I do think it is careful to be uh, presumptuous with our preaching. So uh, as I'm reading this again, you know, second time around, uh, yeah, so many ways we've strayed so far from what Christmas needs to be. See, and that that's almost kind of presuming that that we have strayed so far, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily true of everyone. Right. You know, so you do have to be careful with that kind of presumptuous preachiness um, that, that you aren't just making a generalized statement like, you know, we've traded such simplicity for unimportant things. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying it's bad because, again, this is, it is a little bit of a different genre. Choir, mm-hmm. Christmas choir music isn't necessarily a worship song. And that line in particular, I, I knew, well, they're not necessarily unimportant things. Like, yeah, you know, having having a bunch of family gatherings, well, family's good, but, and it's important, but it's not the most important thing about Christmas. Right. You know what I mean? So. Right. But at the same, but I didn't know. I I thought about it, and I was running out of time to be able to get it to the choir to be able to work on it. No. I, I had to settle on something, but it's, you know. But there's probably a better way to say what I want to say. But I don't know. So, but there's so there's there's an example of of uh, using, words that yeah. sing. There's some using words in words. there that don't sing too. That was the other thing that that I thought about. Yeah. Um. What was it? 
I don't know. The choir did a did a good job pulling it off, but like that first line in the second verse, so many ways we've strayed, I think was the word I'm thinking of. Strayed is a is not a very singable word. That's strayed. So strayed. many ways we've strayed so far from what Christmas needs to be. I don't know. So anyway, all that to say that there are there are, there are flaws in that song. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, and and it's easy it's easy to, you know, critique a song when you're really evaluating it, but mm-hmm. you know, I um People liked it though, and yeah, they, for sure, they gave me a lot of compliments on it. And That's cool. A lot of people kept saying it got stuck in their head, and which it, to me is like the best compliment. Yeah, it's gonna be in my head all day, man. <laughs> the gift of Christmas was a baby boy born in Bethlehem, or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, hold on, I got the score in front of me, folks. <laughs> I can tell you how it goes. Um, is a baby boy. Wait, wait. Is a baby boy born? And there it is. Is a baby boy born in Bethlehem? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, speaking of singability, boy. Um, a lot of bees right there. Baby boy born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So you know, maybe maybe another thing as we're talking about lyrics, maybe there's an easier way to say that, or a simpler, or a different way of saying it. Yeah, but that's you know they also they talk about alliteration being a good thing too uh, in books about songwriting. Maybe yeah. it's too much. I don't know. Maybe it's too much too close together. Or if I if it was spread out over with a couple more words in between. Baby boy born in Bethlehem. Because that's like a tongue twister. Oh, baby, baby boy born in Bethlehem. Um, yeah, well, and it's just because, I mean, I'm looking at the score, David, and, you, you know, you're on that same note, eighth note. Mm-hmm. Is a baby boy born in Bethlehem? Um, you know, and, and that that's the reason why I stuck why that stuck out to me, because it's like one note, one one symbol, that ba 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 um, But I like the, um, yeah, I like that God left heaven to come here as a man, you know. And and again, it's not it's nice. It's not like a straight across rhyme with Bethlehem, uh, but you know Bethlehem and man say have those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and they were talking about it in, in I can't remember what when when were they talking about that? Was that yeah. chapter two, or yeah, was, it was it a, beginning of chapter three? Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. It was back there somewhere. It was back there. But yeah, the the idea like it's not like you you have to have you know like straight across rhymes or. Or rhyme all the time, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, let's. Uh, so, there's some evaluation. People, feel free to give me more evaluation. There you I go. don't mind. But uh, we got to get through the rest of this chapter. Almost man, oh time. man, we're probably already over, aren't we? Yeah, we're over a little bit. But hey, we're gonna finish. We're gonna. I know because we've been on the chapter yeah. for like three <laughs> episodes. But uh, of course, well, they just kind of go on to talk about Solomon searching for the right words, which is good. That's what we were talking about. Course in lyrical photography. Uh, it's the idea of imagery, snapshots, fresh camera angles. Um, I'm a photographer, so yes. that connects with me. But um, but you know, coming up with new ways of looking at things. That, you know, another reason why you know another critique of that song is, you know, Christmas songs have been written for hundreds of years. So if you're going to write a Christmas song, you really need to come up with a fresh camera angle. You need to come up with a new way of looking at it that's going to be fresh for people and not, they're not going to think, oh, it's just another Christmas song like I've heard for all of my life. Um, focus. Uh, your lyrics should you should be focused. Have only one central theme or two at the most. You know, your 
that's and that's that's where worship songs differ, I think, a little bit from more artistic kind of songs. You know, you can have one point in the first verse that that puts, you know, that gives you a certain perspective of the chorus, and then you can have a different point in the second verse that gives mm-hmm. you a different perspective than the first verse gave you of the chorus. And so, so, but still, you don't want to get crazy and have like 12 different themes that you're talking about in one song. Sure. <laughs> so. Keep it a little more simple. Um. But yeah, so I don't know, I'm not going to go through and read this whole chapter or the rest of this whole chapter on on the podcast. I'm going to encourage people to go read it on their own. Anything else there that sticks well, out? Well, I mean, yeah, I was just going to add to what you were saying how um you know, the the idea, I mean, he's they're kind of using this uh allegorical idea of a of a, you know, a photography session um, you know, having it be part of the the worship session. And I think that the point is well taken. You know, there are those certain elements that that you do need with, with, uh, with, with cameras. And I'm not a photographer, um, but I mean, I, I know enough that that you need to, uh, you know, have have good, you know, things like focus, and you, you got to have uh, important things like, um, you know, the the right. Uh, I mean, it says you know, lights, camera, action, um, but. But that that kind of last part of the chapter where it's giving a call, it's giving an action. You know what what is your um you know what what is your song all about? You know what what is the focus of your song? And it, you know is there is there almost like an action? Is there uh, is there a a uh, a call towards it? Is there something that is it drawing us deeper into worship? Is it having us respond in a worshipful way? Uh, you know, one of my favorite worship songs, we actually did it at church on Sunday, uh, The Stand. Um, great, great call, you know, great kind of anthemic uh, song, you know, where, where you're declaring this decorative language, you know, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. Um, so I, I think those are important. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to, to have that kind of a, of a call. Um, uh, and not every song needs to be an action song. And I'm not saying even have, you know, I'm not even talking about like action, you know, movements. You don't need to have hand motions right. or hand jives or whatever. Right. But yeah, I, I just like that idea. Well, here at the end, he says what we both need to work on, what we said at the beginning, good songwriters work very hard to keep their lyrics brief and thus effective. Mm. It's the art of distillation. All good song, all good writers understand it. Um, so, you know, we both were talking about we need to work harder on on distilling our songs down yeah. to a few brevity. Words. Yes, brevity is not something I'm good at. Here's a good good synopsis though. Uh, good lyric uses words that roll easily off the tongue, words that resonate and make the voice sound good, words that feel good in the singer's mouth, just the right words and words that fit the feeling of the message. Kind of good synopsis there. Good words. All right. Well, that's it. Yes. We finally got through chapter three. We'll start with chapter four next, next episode. Time. All right. Well, See thank then. you for listening to uh, this podcast. And uh, you can find us online, worshipministrycatalyst.com. You can email us, davidworshipministrycatalyst.com or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. You can join our social network, worshipministrycatalyst.ning.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch. Ning. Bye. Bye.